We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. I'd like to read this passage for us and then pray. Starting in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your blessing this morning, that your Spirit would illuminate us to your Word and cause our hearts to change so that we would worship you. Would you please bring hope and encouragement to those who are weary and downcast? Would you rebuke and correct those who are starting to backslide or living in disobedience? And would you soften the heart of those who do not know your truth? We ask this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. It would be no surprise to us if we watched a a movie or a TV show and see a character doing 
the wrong thing for the right reasons. Maybe it's secretly dealing drugs to pay for your spouse's hospital bills. Or maybe it's the abusive father who is trying to get his child to a better place, so he trains him in sports and teaches him how to be the best athlete as possible to get him out of a bad situation. There are lots of stories on the screens that we see of people who do the wrong things for seemingly right reasons. But what about those who do the right things for the wrong reasons? Now that's something we don't normally see, and if we do, then that person's painted in a negative way. And I think it's because this type of person is closer to us than we realize. It's like an uninvited guest who is living in your basement who's constantly coming up to the door, knocking and asking, do you need any help? I'd sure love to help you. We call this uninvited guest hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is always willing to help out. You see, we don't normally see this story played out on the screens very much because this is something that we see lived out every day. One read through the Bible and you will see that there is story after story of somebody taking, being taken in by the attractive beauty of hypocrisy. However, because we're sinners, you could open up any history book and see that this is the same temptation to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Agnostics, atheists, Buddhists, Muslims are all tempted to do the right things for the wrong reasons. And in our passage this morning, what we're seeing is Jesus warning His disciples. We're seeing Jesus warn His disciples of the danger of hypocrisy. He's going to call out three spiritual practices that were being abused. He assumes that the, that the disciples will continue to do these spiritual practices. And so, what we will see in this passage is he will call out three spiritual practices that were common. Giving, praying, and fasting. And what he will do is Jesus will call out the hypocrites, what they're doing, why they're doing it, and the reward that they get for doing it that way. Then he calls them to do it in a different way. The right way for the right reasons, and the reward that follows for doing the right things for the right reasons. So, essentially, the aim of this sermon is this. Watch out! Watch out! In case you are doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And we're going to see this in three ways this morning. We're going to 
We're going to see this as we are called to give, but not to be seen. We're called to pray, but not to impress. And we're called to fast, but not to draw attention. So let's look at our first point here, verses 1 through 4. We are to give, but not to be seen. Right away, in verse 1, we are smacked in the face with a big, bold, red, and yellow sign that says, Beware! Watch out! Don't cross over onto property that you shouldn't. There are some places over in Europe that have these signs on beaches and underneath the beware or warning, it says not to cross over because there are landmines that are still active that haven't been detected. Jesus is telling His disciples, don't cross over. There are landmines that will explode. And those landmines that explode are hypocrisy. But what exactly are they to be aware of? Yes, hypocrisy, but how? While of practicing or doing their righteousness or good works so that people would see them. So we've, we see the, the first spiritual practice that we need to watch out for. We need to, to watch out for, in case we are doing the right thing, giving to the needy for the wrong reasons. The hypocrites gave to the needy, but with shady motives. They had ulterior motives in their minds, and they were motivated to practice giving to the needy only to be seen by others. They sounded their beautiful brass trumpets in the streets and synagogues so that people would see them and think, well, what a nice person they are. Generous and kind to the needy. But Jesus says that this was their reward. Giving to the needy with the motive of having applause and recognition Pats on the back. But this isn't the way that Jesus tells His disciples to give. And the way Jesus teaches them is He uses a vivid illustration of not to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Hide your, your left hand if you need to. Give in secret is what Jesus is encouraging and telling His disciples. Uh, avoid the hypocrisy of doing good works by, for the sole reason of getting a couple of attaboys or well-dones or look at how nice you are. Or in another way, what we could say is to avoid hypocrisy, we should have short-term memory when it comes to our giving. Because those who give in secret, Jesus says, will be rewarded. They will be rewarded by the Father. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us what this reward is. But I have to expect that this reward is probably earthly and heavenly. It probably comes in the form of character. 
comes in the form of a deeper relationship with God. It could possibly come in the form of money or possessions with, in the form of ministry opportunity or an abundance of the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus isn't specific with the reward that we will receive for doing these things in secret, but I have to believe that we are rewarded by our Heavenly Father with what we need at that specific time to enjoy Him and glorify Him. So let's ask the question, who are the needy? Well, the the needy are those who are in need. More specifically, the, the poor, the widows, and the orphans. It could be a child. It could be a parent or a grandparent. Maybe it's a, a brother or a sister or a friend. It quite possibly could be your next-door neighbor or a homeless person. It could be your church. A needy person is the person who is in need. We aren't given one shape, size, or color. So what do we give the needy person? Once again, Jesus doesn't fill us in on this. I would expect he would say, whatever the need is, that's what you should give. It's money. It's food. It's clothes. It's maybe an extra car or shelter for a time being. Maybe it's mowing your neighbor's grass or shoveling their sidewalk. So here's the questions that we need to ask ourselves as Jesus is saying, beware, don't practice your righteousness for applause and praise. We need to ask the question, well, why do we give? What is our motive? Do we give so that way we can post a picture on Facebook of the homeless shelter that we just served at? Do we give in order to have influence over a person, like a family member? Or influence over a ministry? Or possibly influence over a church? Do we give in order for people to be in awe of us? What is our motivation in giving to the needy. The hypocrite says, my motivation is to be seen and to receive praise. But Jesus says, do it in secret without letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing and you will be rewarded by your heavenly Father. Are we giving for the right reasons? If we move on to look at our second point, pray not to impress, in verses 5 through 15, we will see that Jesus not only calls out the hypocrites in the way that they were praying and approaching this spiritual practice, but he actually goes into great detail into teaching the disciples on how to pray. The beautiful attraction of hypocrisy is presented in two ways here. The first landmine that could possibly be stepped on is to pray lovely prayers just to be heard in the streets and synagogues. The hypocrites want people to be touched by their prayers, so they pray in the streets and synagogues. They want people to hear their 
deep theological prayers. They want to woo the widows and uneducated to make them think that their relationship with God is deeper and more spiritual than it actually is. You see, just like the first one, Jesus assumes that His disciples will pray. And He tells them, since you will pray, or when you pray, pray in secret. Go and find a quiet place. But this is the question that then comes to my mind. I wonder if it comes to yours. Does this mean that we should never pray in public? Should we never pray during the Sunday service? Should we never pray at our life groups or before we eat with family members and friends? Well, not not at all. Jesus prayed in front of His disciples. Paul wrote down his prayers and sent them over to the churches that he was ministering to. The, The church has practiced corporate and public prayer since the founding of the first church. What Jesus is warning His disciples is this landmine of hypocrisy. The motivation behind why you are praying in public. So the question that we should ask ourselves is do we pray more in public than in private? Are you more quick to pray at your table in front of your family than privately in the morning or at night? Are you more willing to pray at your life group than to pray without ceasing? Do you pray more publicly than privately? What is the motive behind your praying? The the second landmine of hypocrisy that Jesus is going to tell us about is that of fancy speech. It's incantation of repeating something over and over for the sake to impress. You see, the Gentiles did this to almost woo their God into answering them. Twist His arm, make Him blush in order for them to receive an answer and what they have requested. They would say the same thing over and over and over again. They believed that this is what caught their God's attention. We we see this take place in an Old Testament story when Elijah calls out the the prophets who were worshiping Baal. He tells them, you call out to your God, and if he answers you first, then we'll worship your God. But I'm going to call out to my God, and if he answers us first, then We know that He is the true living God. And hundreds of prophets chanted and said incantations over and over again just for Elijah to mock them, saying, hey, is your God sleeping? And as Elijah calls out one time, Yahweh, the God of Israel, hears him. Jesus is saying that the hypocrites just want to be heard. To be heard with their long and empty phrases. But Jesus gives us great assurance, listen to this, that not only 
does our Father hear our prayers. But He knows what we need before we even pray them. So does this mean that we should keep our prayers as short as possible or not even bother to pray at all? The answer again is no. Jesus actually gives us a model of prayer to model for our lives. He says when we pray, first we pray to our Father. Did you know that when you pray, the first thing that you are saying when you say, Father, is a recognition of your relationship with the God of this universe. And so Jesus calls us to start our prayers with Father because it is this recognition and this realization that we are calling to our Father. Second, acknowledging that God is holy and that His holiness should be made great. And because of that, third, Because He is holy, the only kingdom, and I mean the only kingdom that we should desire to see here on earth is His kingdom. And the way that His kingdom is seen here on earth is praying that earth would look more like heaven. So we pray for the salvation of our family and friends and neighbors and communities. We pray for the worship of people to God. We pray for people to grow in their obedience to God. Fourth, we pray for our daily bread. As, as simply put, one, one guy that I was reading, D.A. Carson, says it simply as this, when you pray for your daily bread, you pray for your needs, not your greeds. Fifth, we ask for forgiveness of our sins because although God has forgiven those who have trusted in Him, we still sin. And if we say we do not sin, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. And not only that, but on two different occasions here in this, Jesus mentions something about forgiving those who have wronged us. And so, as we ask for forgiveness from the Father, we also forgive those who have wronged us because when God's forgiveness has pierced our heart, we have a desire to the best of our ability to forgive those who have wronged us. Sixth, we then ask God to protect us in our trials. That while we are walking in the darkest valley of the shadow of death, while we are being tossed to and fro from the waves in the storm of affliction, while we are in the desert longing for something to drink, we ask that God would protect us from evil. That we would not be overcome by Satan and his plots. So once again, the question that we need to ask is, why do we pray? What is our motivation? Do we pray to impress those around us with our theologically informed and poetically persuasive driven prayers? Do we pray empty phrases using filler words just to pass the time? Do we try to manipulate 
and twist God's arm to wooing Him into answering our prayers just by saying the same thing over and over again. Do you pray more in public than private? These are the questions worth asking ourselves if we want to know if we are walking close to practicing our righteousness in public for the sake of praise. If the lure and attraction of hypocrisy has overtaken us. Are we praying for the right reasons? Looking at our final point here, fasting but not to draw attention. One last time, Jesus assumes that his disciples will do this when you do this. That they will be in the habit, the spiritual practice of fasting. This was a, a common thing that took place. It took place twice a day for the religious elite. However, some of them saw the ability to cash in. I can fast and gain a reputation for being devoted to God. For being a spiritually driven person. What they would do is they wouldn't wash their faces or hair. They they. Their plan was to draw attention by their downcast face. Like a child who is hungry and throws himself on the ground and says, I'm hungry and if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. The Pharisees had downcast faces so that people would see their fasting and marvel at their spiritual practice and devotion to God. But Jesus tells His disciples to do the opposite. Fast in secret. He calls them, or tells them, to anoint their heads and wash their face. Believe it or not, Jesus is calling His disciples right here to good hygiene. He's telling them, look as normal as possible in front of people so that they don't know that you're fasting. Don't seek the applause and approval and praise from people. Instead, anoint your head, wash your face, and go about your normal, ordinary day. Because your Father sees in secret and will see your fasting and will reward you for fasting in secret. So I'd like to ask this question first. Why do we fast? Because out of the three spiritual practices that Jesus mentions here, fasting is probably the least one practiced. We probably have no problem giving no problem praying, but when it comes to fasting, we probably don't see that as right now, for me, to do. Fasting is a time period where it shows a complete and utter dependence upon God by giving up food for a time being. And the spiritual implications here are to grow closer to God. To grow deeper in your relationship with God. 
And so the way that fasting has been practiced is to fast for a time period. Maybe it's a day, 24 hours. Maybe it's one meal, like lunch, for a few weeks. Maybe it's fasting from food for a few days. But what the implication is, is to grow deeper with God by confessing sin, by being in prayer, by reading Scripture and asking and searching what the will of God for you may be. So this is why we fast. And fasting has always been a part of the Christian faith that we should take just as serious as giving or praying. So what's our motivation to fast if we do fast? Is it to be seen by others and to draw attention so that people will praise us for our spiritual devotion to God? Do we fast for the right reasons? In this passage, Jesus is warning His disciples of the landmine of hypocrisy. Hopefully, I've shown you that. Over the attractiveness of the beauty of momentary applause and praise that you receive for doing these things in public. But what Jesus, when we get into it, is warning His disciples of is finding their righteousness in their own works. Finding their righteousness in their good works instead of His. The religious people of the time started to believe that if if they give, then God would see them and they would earn favor with God. If, If their prayers were impressive, then God would be impressed and hear them. If they fasted, then God would see their devotion to them. However, if you believe the lie that works will make things right between you and God, then you will hunger for the approval and praise of others. You will want and desire for people to see your good works when you start to believe the lie that your good works make you righteous with God. We won't function without the momentary reward of praise and adoration from people around you. This is a burden I've been familiar with. And it's a burden that only drags you further down. Because how much praise from people is enough praise? This is the good news though. If you're looking for freedom from having to find approval from people, and I mean true freedom, then trust in Christ. He has accomplished everything for us on our behalf. Christ lived the perfect life, fulfilling the law. He was sacrificed 
for our sins and died on the cross receiving the full wrath of God that we deserved. And he rose three days later defeating sin and death once and for all so that all those who trust in him could have peace with God and partake in his righteousness, his good works. And so what does this mean for the the person that's constantly seeking the applause of men? What does this mean for the person who's constantly seeking the applause and praise of women? We are free to give in secret, knowing for certain that God sees us. We are able to pray in secret and pray simple prayers, knowing for certain that God sees us. We are able to fast in secret, not looking for the praise and approval of applause from people because we know for certain that God sees us. We no longer have to find our righteousness in our good works because God sees our good works. We don't need to boast about how much we give. We don't need to boast about our fancy prayers or how often we fast. We don't have to find approval and praise from men and women because God sees us. The ruler of the planets, the one who has named every star, who has made every animal seize our good works. And because of that, we don't need to boast about our righteousness. Our righteousness came from Christ. It comes from Christ. And because of this, it frees us to do good works so that just as Jesus said, A little bit ago, in Matthew 5, about letting your light shine and your good works be seen, we can actually do good works for the sole purpose of not praise from people, but for people to glorify the Father. That's amazing. (laughs) That's a burden lifted off. Let's pray. Father, would you comfort us and help us to trust you? Would you protect us from the allure and attraction of hypocrisy of doing our works in public just for praise? But would we do our good works so that people would glorify you, our Heavenly Father? Amen.